0: Hi, welcome back to the Manufacturing Come Up. I'm your host, Malachi Greb. Today, we have Shane Langley with Keller Engineering. Welcome. Thank you for having me. No problem. Glad to have you on the show. Love having uh, engineers on the show. Love having sales engineers on the show. Um, You know, me personally, I always have like a... uh, a personal side of me that wants to, you know, extract knowledge and information from sales engineers, because that's one of the things that I'm corely focused on right now is like, how can I improve my sales process coming from a controls engineering position?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something that we've had to figure out here as well. You know, exactly how to approach customers and and how to go go about it. Um, we like to think we do things a little bit differently here. so. Everybody on our sales team has a, a technical background. Um, I've been in machining my entire career. Uh, some of our other people have been in machining, you know, three years, four years. Um, so I think having that background kind of helps us out as far as how to approach customers and feel a lot more comfortable when they can have a conversation with you and feel like you know what you're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. That, that's like the one
0: advantage that I have, like as far as being able to convert over sales easily, at least I can talk technically, The hard hard part that I've challenged with is like, say for instance, if it's it's like a robotic cell and it's like a simple palletizing robotic cell, it's been hard for me to convert what what, um, benefit does it bring that customer, right? That's been like the shift. I'm like, it's a robotic cell. Like, you know, it's a palletizing cell. We just install it. It's easy. Like, this is a no-brainer project. And so like, it's hard to like, for me to transition and, and add those values and be able to you know, translate that to the customer.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always use uh, especially when we're interviewing uh salespeople or we're talking about leads and you know how to approach it, I always say, you know, everybody hates going into a store and you're asking one of the people, uh, I need to do this or this, and they say, Well, I'm not sure. Or you ask them a question about a product and they say I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. You know, everybody wants everything right now, including yep. answers on you know something that they're needing. So I think that definitely helps out.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Would you go ahead and tell people where you're at currently in your in your career?
1: Uh, yeah. So now I am director of sales for manufacturing at Kelly Engineering. Um, started out at a uh, large company out in Fountain Inn, South Carolina, and went through their apprenticeship program. So they select about six people every single year, and you go through a two-year apprenticeship program, and you start out with stuff as simple as, I mean, filing parts down and running manual machines. You know, just kind of the the dirty work, um, you know, that you have to learn how to do before you know going into other positions there. And then after about a year or two, you start getting into the programming and actually running CNC machines. stayed there for about four years or so and didn't really like the big company atmosphere i wanted to go somewhere a little bit smaller and i wanted to do something different but still in machining Um, and found myself at a place that makes uh custom carbide tooling for you know boeing lockheed martin all the all the big names and they had been around forever uh stayed there again for about four years um and Ended up at a small job shop, which got me into doing, you know, more complicated setups, dealing with materials I wasn't used to um, at other places, you know, getting into alloys and things like that. And then was driving down the road uh, one day and Kelly Engineering had their bay door open. Uh, Matt, the owner, had just purchased his first CNC machine and they happened to be a half a mile away from my house. Um... So I pulled in, asked if I could interview, and that's that's about all she wrote. So we've been – we're in year eight now. Um, I'm going into year six uh, with the company now.
0: Yeah. That was perfect timing because I'm sure at that point when he's bringing in his first CNC machine, he's needing some skilled individuals to
1: he, – He definitely, he definitely <laughs> did. I mean, he, he wanted to find somebody that, you know, knew what they were – Knew what they were doing, um, could run a shop, but also just wanted to find somebody that would fit the kind of culture that that he wanted here. I mean, we talk about our culture all the time. That's that's one of the things that we really uh, strive for is to have a good culture here. So I think it was more of a uh, the type of person fit more so than, you know, the skill set that he was looking right. for. And I think he interviewed me like five times before he actually mm-hmm. sent me the job offer over.
0: Nice. Yeah. I think that, I think finding the good fit is like definitely much more important. That's one of the things that I've, I've hundred percent experienced and, and learned from over the past few years. Cause I was always, you know, very engineering mindset. And so like, I, I wanted skill, 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 skill. Right. And I knew if I got skilled individuals, but then I didn't really realize that <clears throat> it's the work ethic. It's the, you know, the cultural energy that they bring to the team that really makes the big difference.
1: Yeah. We've, I mean, we've had a lot of success with, you know, younger guys. I mean, coming out of high school or, you know, right even, even out of uh, tech school and just finding that right type of guy. I mean, you can train anybody to run a CNC machine if they're willing to do it. You can train anybody to weld, run a laser, press brake, All yep. of that can be taught, but, mm-hmm. you know, you can't really teach somebody to show up to work every day, be respectful to their employees, things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That starts from the beginning.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So going back to the beginning, what did you have any idea of you were going to become a CNC machinist or wanted to get into this type of industry?
1: Um, to an extent, I mean, most of most of my family was in manufacturing. So my dad worked at Michelin, which is you know big around yeah. here, and uh, my grandfather worked at a small job shop. So I'd been around it, you know, my whole life. Um, but never really thought about getting into it. And when I went to, when I went to work and, you know, got my first job and started CNC, CNC machines, it was just interesting to me. You know, something different, even though I had been around it, I had seen, you know, bridge ports and things like that. I hadn't seen a, you know, a deck or anything. So it was definitely something that intrigued me and. I would say within a couple of weeks of being in that apprenticeship program, it just kind of, you know, piqued my interest and kept going from there. Awesome. Do you, uh, do you think,
0: or let me take this back I guess being able to find that initial apprenticeship. Do you think, how, how did you go about finding that apprenticeship?
1: um it uh, the first job that i had was at Rexroth, and i was actually just working in their uh logistics area um gotcha. so you know moving pallets around and then moved into kitting. um so getting parts ready to you know go on the cnc machines um they ran a ton of different part numbers um all very similar so they had people that would go around and get you know xyz part number take it to the machines and uh i just kind of talking to the guys on the machines they were like hey you know if this is really something that interests you you should apply for the apprenticeship program Mm. um and i guess you know being friendly with some of the guys out on the floor they put in a good word for me and and ended up getting in
0: nice nice so you took basically the transition of you kind of went and just got a job because you needed a job or something and then this opportunity kind of arose to apply
1: yeah exactly i mean when when i applied for the job there it was it was not anything where i was you know technically looking to get into machining by any means yeah um it was just one of those things where it really just worked out Look of the draw i guess right yeah
0: absolutely i mean my initial starts were kind of in the same way i started off getting a position as a uh just a machine tender for an injection molding machine and then within like three to six months they was they they brought they brought in a new plant manager and everything and and they had like one one or two guys that was like their mold setter and their process technician. And they was like, we need to do something to diversify because like basically all the skill is within one guy, if he ever quits, we're screwed, right? And so I kind of came into the company right at that perfect time. I was interested. I was always watching the guy, you know, watching the, the machine changes he would make and uh, asking him questions on it. And, you know, the plant manager was involved as well with kind of learning some of that company's particular processes. So that way he could ever st- could step in and maybe train people if ever needed it. And like, so I was just there asking questions and, uh, you know, through that, the opportunities kind of arose, like, Hey, would you be interested in, in, in doing mold setting and process technician or yeah, process technician position. And I was like, yeah, sure. Definitely. Absolutely. And that kind of was like my initial start to doing anything in manufacturing and really kind of got, uh, the ball moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, we've, got, we've got a lot of guys here that are like that. You know, they come in the door. They, they're they not 100% sure what they want to do. You know, some of them, they think they want to do one thing, and it ends up, you know, going in a different direction. Um, we've had guys that start out on the saw or, you know, passivating parts, things like that, and they just kind of slowly progress and, and move up and kind of figure out where they want to land. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had people that, you know, kind of like I was where they're just – here to get a job in general. Uh, One of the guys on our sales team now, he was uh, doing landscaping and his friend got a job here as a machinist. And just kind of hearing him talk about it, I guess it piqued his interest and he just wanted to get a job here and ran the saw. Then next thing you know, started doing machining as an operator, then moved into setup and then eventually moved on to our sales team. So I think there's so many different paths that you can take to, to get into manufacturing, you know, even just in general that there's not really a right or a wrong way to do
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. 101%. And that's like, you know, for this podcast, it's one of the main reasons why we do it is because like you didn't exposure to your story on how, how your, your path kind of transitioned. And, and there's like key things that people could take away. Like you, you mentioned, I was friendly with the guys that were operating the CNC machine and they put in a good word, like, keeping those key things in mind because like I wasn't the best at soft skills. And, you know, if somebody hears that, maybe they can try at least try to work if they're not naturally good at it, they can like try to work towards those, those type of skills or just ha- create more communication with those individuals. And then maybe the opportunities will arise, but all those things come from like individuals like you telling your story.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I think there's fits, you know, for everybody. I mean, you talked about like, you know, the, the soft skills and things like that. You know any kind of skill set can can do the stuff that we're doing here um it's just again finding that right position i mean we've had guys that you know maybe they don't have the technical background to actually be one of those you know main setup guys but they end up working out really well as programmers or maybe they go in as planners you know things like that there's just so many there's so many areas that you can get into it's just wild
0: yeah absolutely Diving into that a little bit, how did you transition from being a CNC operator to sales?
1: Yeah, So in the beginning, I mean, when when I said that, you know, I first applied here, um, it was Matt, our owner and uh, Travis, the VP of operations. Now they were the two that were working here. Um, Travis started in November. Um, I came on in December and we were it was just the three of us and then some office help and we had to wear so many different hats i mean Mm -hmm. you know if you only have three employees at a a company that you're trying to start up you're not just a machinist at that point you're the machinist you're the sales guy you're the programmer you know you're all of those Mm -hmm. things and uh travis ran the fab side of it so he you know welded he ran the press break i mean there's just he helped out on machining uh plenty of times um so with that, I mean, it kind of gave us that mentality of like, we, we were never going to be those people that said, that's not my job. You know, we always wanted to help out whatever was best for the company, whatever was needed. We were you know going to do it. So as we hired more and more people, we got two machinists to come on and help us out. And the machine shop really started to grow, but we still didn't have a sales force. So I was dealing with 99% of our customers for the most part. Um, and the bigger we got, the more customers that we had. It just got harder for me to do both of them. And it became to where, you know, I wasn't really good at either one at that point. You know, I was <laughs> I was lacking on the sales side of it because I didn't have time, but I was also lacking on running the machine shop. Yeah. So Matt just came to me and said, I think this is something that, you know, you would like, you do really great with the customers. I think you should move into just strictly doing sales. And it was, you know, one of those things where I'm not sure I want to do that. And, you know, there's always that like, you know, kind of get that bad, bad taste in your mouth from the word sales for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. And then once you get into it, you kind of think, I don't even know why I thought like that. It's it's nothing yeah. like you think it's going to be so.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times I think even if even if like you're you're a good salesperson and, and you are doing sales internally in your company. If you're like a smaller company like that you may not realize that that's what you're doing right you're just like talking to the customer uh, just telling them all the things right and and uh you're doing the sales process right but it just doesn't have that title over it
1: yeah i mean you know matt matt asked me about going into sales and i'm like i've never done sales and he said well what do you think you've been doing for the last two or three years i mean <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at it as I'm just giving the customer updates or giving them quotes or, you know, feedback on projects and things like that. And he said, well, that's that's sales. That's what you've yeah. been doing. So we uh, it's it was definitely something that I'm glad I did. I mean, now, you know, 2022, we invoice 95 different customers. So I couldn't well, even imagine trying to deal with 95 customers along with, you know, trying to be out on the shop floor.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's completely impossible. Right. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's one thing with, when it comes to like, you know, working in a smaller company versus working in a larger company. And like, for people like getting into industry and getting jobs, that like, if you go with a smaller company, you're going to get a lot more exposure to a lot of things, but you're also going to not get a ton of singular exposure to one singular thing. And that was like one of the things that you touched on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely, you know, I love the the smaller shop atmosphere. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of times at a big company, you're just a number on a spreadsheet. Yep. Um, You know, here, the CEO knows your name. You know, he knows how many kids you got, you know, where you vacation, things like that. Everybody on the floor is, you know, friends with each other. You've got guys that are, you know, going out after work and riding motorcycles, going to play golf, things like that. So, yeah, I definitely think it's more of a, you know, family style atmosphere, you know, a lot friendlier. Whereas, you know, those big places, um, you might not see 70% of the people that work at the same company as you just because there's so many of them and the place is so large.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's another thing too, to keep in mind is like, like you said, like the, the two different, uh, sizes of, of, uh, Go. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Can I come on Do whatever you want. Go. No. Go.
1: <laughs> Got the kids trying to jump on the podcast, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's my youngest one. Tommy, you want to jump on the podcast real quick? Come on, hurry up. We're live. <laughs> but yeah, like the, the two different sizes of uh, of companies – We'll give you a completely different vibe say hi to everybody we're live okay hi right there uh, hi
1: <laughs> but yeah the. the I, mean, I, I think one of the other big things that i i think is great about people going into those uh smaller companies is you're going to get more of an opportunity at those smaller companies i mean if you go to a big company and you know like me luckily i was one of the few that got the opportunity to go into that apprenticeship but a lot of times you will have guys that, you know, they get stuck in a certain position. They don't get that opportunity to move up because, you know, management or, you know, the the higher powers at the company, they aren't seeing them on a daily basis. They don't know what kind of potential they have. At a smaller company, that potential is getting seen every single day. Yeah. Um, you've got, you're working directly with, you know, management. You're working directly with the leads and things like that. And it just makes it easier for you to get an opportunity to move up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like a huge part. So I also came from a smaller company. I think really at their biggest, they was like 15 employees. And so it was that same type of culture. And there was so much opportunity that was brought to me. And there was also just like so much opportunity that I took on. Um, it was like organic, right? We didn't like, one of the things was we didn't have an internal electrical engineer. So now either we were outsourcing it. And if we outsourced it, we had to wait, you know, one, two, three weeks till, you know, they got, they provided us back the, uh, electrical prints. And at this point I've, I've wired enough panels. I've wired enough junction boxes that, you know, enough robots that I know all the electrical engineering in my own mind. Right. So really it's just a matter of learning the software. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I said, don't worry about it guys. Don't worry about outsourcing. I'll just, I'll just do it. Right. And then we can have somebody verify the work after I've done it. And, you know, I, I did, I did it with that. I did it with, risk assessments which i don't know why i did that because there's so much documentation that's involved in that and i was like you know this is one of those things where i was like one of those individuals that stepped up so be careful guys if you want to step up and take on opportunity i always suggest do that but you might want to pay attention to how much documentation that goes behind it if you don't like documentation
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is definitely true definitely true
0: yeah you can like you said like you can only get that in the in the smaller working culture and smaller companies and also to like going back to like the apprenticeship thing, there might be some people that wait two or three years to get in that apprenticeship. Maybe they finally get it, but they also wasted two or three years to finally get into that position or, or like you said, they never get it. And, and that happens sometimes.
1: Right. Yeah, it definitely does. And I mean, you know, I think, I think it's uh, at least I have found that, you know, at these smaller companies, a lot of times people are more willing to, teach you and work with you than they are at, you know, some of the larger companies. I mean, some of the some of the people that work at larger companies, I mean, they're great. They want to teach you, you know, they want you to learn everything you can, but then you've also got people that, you know, in all honesty, there's nothing wrong with it, but they're just there to, you know, get their check, go home and, you know, be done for the day. They might not be as willing to teach you, you know, what you're trying to learn and things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is I think it is good that like experience the corporate culture like especially for like somebody yes. like myself I didn't really never ever I didn't really ever have like that corporate structure right cuz it was a smaller company so now starting a company and 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 having the ambition that I have the only way a company that you know I envision can survive is is having a corporate structure right you 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 can only grow so big before things don't work at a at a non-corporate level, at least to some degrees, right? You can still try to maintain like, you know, a good working culture that's like friendly and open and all those good things. But, you know, the one thing we've been transitioning into this past year was like creating departments. So, you know, before, you know, when you're smaller and there's less people, it's just like, just job titles. And like you said, it's three job titles to one person. Right. And then you start to convert to, to one job title, three people and, 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 start to develop, okay, what positions are separate and, and, and seeing that from a corporate job, that experience is a, you know, a super big help because now since I haven't experienced that firsthand, I'm trying to think of all the things in my mind. What, what type of departments do huge corporations have, right? Okay. They have finance departments, they have sales departments, they have, you know, marketing departments engineering departments and then and then and then like as you grow past that like then there's departments within those departments right and and uh it's just something to keep them keep in mind if depending on how somebody wants to try to navigate their career like the yeah. good
1: ahead, go ahead. yeah i mean it's it's i think it's definitely something that's good for you know people to do i mean Some people work out great at big companies, but I think that it's always, you know, it's one of those things that you've you've got to go through that, whether it's going to be your career staying at one of those bigger companies or, you know, whether you decide that you want to move on to a smaller one, I think it's something that's really good for people to to go through, especially if they're going to be somebody that is coming into a very small company and trying to grow it, because if you're trying to grow the company, no matter how small it is and you're good at it, it's going to get bigger. You're eventually going to get to the point to where you are one of those big companies, you know, that people talk about. And I think that part of the, the goodness of working at one of those big companies is, you know, you can say, okay, I really, really like the way that they do these things. I don't like the way that they do these things. And you can kind of turn it into to your own style, you know, of of corporate management or that corporate style company. You can kind of pick and choose what you want to what you want to keep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The experience is great. And like also like. This is not something that never crossed my mind, but it's something I probably should have definitely put more thought into was do i want a corporate type of position so it it never came into my mind like do i want to do i want to be in corporate and it's highly likely it would have been a good route for me and it's also highly likely i would have never started a company because maybe i would have worked for a corporate company and i would have you know been very successful in it and climbed the corporate ladder and uh kind of never had the ceiling that i had that that made me say okay why don't I just do this myself? Right. Like that was one of the big things that I experienced through working with another employer was, you know, I'm working, I'm trying to improve myself and grow and grow and grow and grow. And then, you know, with this company, the, you know, the company I was within, I could just see there wasn't, there wasn't that level of like drive and like trying to do things differently enough that, you know, really facilitated the, the the level of of expansion that I was, I was looking to, to reach, you know, Let's, let's I'll just give an example because I think this is important for people that are in these positions. Um, if you're working for a company and they're doing, I'm just using some somewhat smaller numbers, they're doing $2 million a year in revenue. And over the course of the next 10 years, they're going to get to $10 million in revenue. Maybe that growth projection doesn't match what you want in your career path. Because you got to think if they reach $10 million a year in revenue, how much money and salaries can they pay to the employees underneath that, right? Um, obviously like if you get to a company that's doing a hundred million a year or can even hit a billion in a year revenue, that that facilitates the ability to pay a lot higher salaries and reach, let's say an executive level position. Cause in my, you know, in my opinion that you can't even really have an executive level position until you reach like maybe a hundred thousand dollar, I mean, not hundred thousand, hundred million dollar, uh, uh, revenue. That's where right. you you know? hit, hit needing like an actual corporate executive structure.
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I mean, I think it's, you know, every, everybody's got a different, you know, a different style uh, of job that they want to have or, you know, a different type of company that they want. But I mean, yeah, you've, you definitely got to do your research on the size company you want to work at. You know, like you said, how much revenue are they bringing in? How many employees do they have? Things like that. It's it's definitely something that, that goes into play.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that like through schooling, we're not really taught those things. I, you know, I never thought about looking at company size, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that, you know, they, they leave out of school that, you know, would be great if, if they taught, I mean, just, just talking about manufacturing in general is one of those things. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times we've, we've met um, kids that are, you know, coming out of high school and things like that, that have no idea about, you know cnc machining or welding or you know what a what a fiber laser is and and things like that so i think it's definitely something that would be great if they start talking about it in schools you know what kind of company sizes the type of benefits that you're going to get at those companies mm-hmm. i mean yeah. you know that's another thing you got to think about is what's most important to you you know you go to those big companies and your benefits they're they're amazing yeah uh, <laughs> you go, you go to a smaller one i mean yeah you might make a little bit more money but your benefits might not be as good so yeah I, I think it's something that would be great if they talk about it.
0: Yeah, 101 and, percent. And and to that note that you just said, I pretty much went my entire career without health insurance because of that factor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as of right now, uh, in a sales director position, can you give people uh, a little bit of insight to what that position looks like and maybe also what it looks like as a sales representative?
1: Yeah, so uh, we we are definitely different when it comes to sales. I will say that. I mean, um, we have uh, outside and inside sales positions. And I say that, but at the same time, they're, they're all kind of doing the same thing. I mean, our inside sales uh, guys, you know, they're quoting jobs and, you know, getting jobs ready to release to the floor, things like that. But our outside sales, on top of going out and getting customers, they're quoting their own jobs. They're, you know getting their own orders, um, ready to release out to the floor. Um, and that's one of those things again, with, with a company that's growing, we are having to adjust and adapt to how we handle things. Yeah. Um, but normal sales day, uh, for me is first thing in the morning coming in and, you know, going through emails from, you know, second shift, we've got customers in other countries that, you know, you've got to catch up with them, give them updates, things like that. And, then it's kind of just going through and figuring out, okay, whose jobs are coming up, who needs quotes, um, when the orders need to be getting out. Um, are there any things that are kind of at the top of the list of, of things that we need to try and push, uh, push to production to hopefully get done? Gotcha.
0: Yeah. So like for the, for like our structure, talking about that uh, our structure is more of our, inside sales are out. So we try to keep much more inside sales and much less outside sales. And I, I try to touch as much outside sales stuff as I potentially can, right? I try to be like face-to-face with customers as much as I potentially can. And then, you know, for us, we uh, try to have our inside sales team support our outside sales team as much as possible. And then they're also outside facing as well so those those different structures definitely play play a little bit of a role in like what the daily job tasks look like for looks like for each individual
1: yeah and i mean it's it's one of those things where we've just gotta you know adapt i mean i hope that we can get to the point to where you know we've got inside sales that are you know supporting those outside sales and they do to an extent um but it's just you know we're growing i mean And it's it's hard for us to for the industries that we're in. You know, it's hard to find somebody that is welding or machining and trying to convince them to come into a sales role. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard to find that technical background that we're looking for to come into sales. So it definitely makes it tough um, for inside and outside. Um, We're just kind of trying, you know, like I said, to adapt to it and build it the best we can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, technical sales positions, especially in our industry, is like one, it's it's one of the harder, harder positions to find. It's one of the higher paying positions. Um, it, it, you know, it offers one, it's one of the most challenging uh, positions. But then again, it like it gains you quite a bit of experience and exposure to the industry and and different types of facilities and things like that.
1: Right. I mean, that's one of the reasons why our outside sales team is quoting a lot of their own jobs is because the more that you're doing it, the the easier and quicker you're going to learn it. You know, whether you've got a background in it or not. I mean, if you if you turn into where you're just never seeing quotes, you're never seeing, you know, orders come through, you're outside visiting customers and things like that all the time it gets easier and easier for you to forget things and it gets harder for you to go out and talk to customers and tell them exactly what we can offer them or what they may need on a certain project.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And actually to think about it, like the one part about sales that I had actually done was like the RFQ process. So that part definitely did help transition into, into the sales role because like you said, going on site, Sometimes you forget like little small things, but you know, whenever you whenever you go through like that quoting process, like, okay, robot tooling, okay, robot tooling, okay, sensors, okay, cylinders, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean, like. And so right. you start thinking about these smaller things, and they're they are small things, but I mean, you know, a, a robot tooling could have a thousand dollars in sensors on it, or or you know, or, or much more.
1: Yeah. And I think I think one of the things that, that I always push for is, you know, outside or inside sales, either one is to spend as much time as they can on the shop floor. you know, when they get that opportunity. Because mm-hmm. if you're walking around and you're uh, you're around it every single day, when you go to a customer and you're walking through their facility, you're going to be walking by and say, OK, I've I've read, we've seen something like that before out on the floor. That might be something that we could help you guys with. So it makes it easier for you to see those things as you're going through customers facilities, or you might be able to show them certain things at our facility that may be something they need and we can help them with.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what were some particular things that helped you throughout throughout your journey and your growth?
1: Um, I definitely think the different, uh, types of industries, you know, that I was involved in. I mean, working in a, you know, high production, uh, large facility, and then getting into CNC grinding um, was the other one. And then, I mean, I've been in aerospace and medical and automotive, and I think that that made it easier for me to recognize, like, what kind of customers can we go after? Um, Which ones, you know, might be a big customer, you know, down the road, which ones may be a little bit smaller. And, you know, I've kind of brought that here to the sales uh, team and we do work for just about in every industry there is. I mean, automotive, aerospace, marine, transit, uh, medical. So I think I think the biggest thing for me was just having that exposure to so many different types of industries, you kind of learn every style of machining and you know, every style of part that you could come across, be it low quantity, high quantity, um, you know, tons of different types of materials. I think that really helped. Gotcha.
0: And so from from like these the exposure to all the different industries, um, what what exactly do you think that taught you?
1: Um, just learning what those different industries expect, probably, you know, every I've I've learned, you know, especially here, like. A lot of times people say, you know, aerospace and medical, those are the toughest companies to do work for because, you know, all the tolerances are tight, you know, all of their standards are extremely in depth and they ask a lot of you. And, you know, had I not worked in other industries, I mean, I've learned, you know, just in the last two or three years that. Transit is surprisingly 1 of the ones that have even harder standards to follow and, you know, mm-hmm. tighter tolerances and ask a lot of, of the vendors. I mean, I, I would say that. You know, learning that has, has really helped in you know, seeing the. The different styles of things that they're going to ask for, be it, you know. Uh, documents or inspection reports that you're going to have to do, or just little things that they want to see from you that you might not know unless you're around it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's like they say, uh, the riches are in the niches, right? And it's like, if you, the more you understand like the small things, like the, the more it helps you like navigate different decisions. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm still learning, you know, every day here. I mean, it's, it's something that I think that you have to do, and you have to, you know, I, keep saying it, but you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to learn um every single day and, you know, pick up on new things. Um, I think that, you know, learning that is probably one of the biggest things that can help you in in this industry. Yeah.
0: That's one thing I, I really love about this industry as well. Is like I feel like I can't really imagine a particular time where you're just gonna not learn.
1: Right. right. Like
0: Things are always evolving. The w- what you knew five years ago may not be the same today. So, like even after you, you you know you reach expert level, there's still so many things that are changing from what you knew even a year or two ago, right? Like, um, not to get too specific, but like right now, it's been a lot of my time analyzing a particular sector of the industry. And within one to two years, I want to be an expert where if you ask me any particular thing on this uh on this topic that I can tell you I can tell you who owns what company, you know, roughly how much they're doing in, in revenue per year, like and and so I'm spending a lot of my time in in uh you know researching that and exploring all that. And even after I accomplish that, right, those things are those still those things are still going to be ever changing. The companies that this company that owned that company is now going to get bought out by another company. This company is going to sell off that complete division. Um, And, you know, so the, 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 the growth learning curve will change, but now you can like spend your time and energy into like really, really become an expert, right? Like there's, there's individuals that are experts at what they do. And then, you know, may i think i think the word expert could technically be used a little too much right like
1: yeah, when are I mean, you really an expert right and i mean i think you know even even here at kelly engineering like one of the things that i have uh you know learned or at least started trying to learn is i've never been around the automation side uh, of this industry so that's mm-hmm. been something where i've been really trying to learn as as much as i can and ask questions and you know I'll have customers that come visit our facility and, you know, I'll take them through the machine shop. I'll take them through the fab shop and, you know, I can tell them everything, you know, they need to know. But then when it comes to, we're walking by and they see one of our automation projects, I don't know a whole lot about it. You know, it's just something that I haven't been involved in. So I'll take them over there and I'll have, you know, one of the project managers or one of the engineers tell them a little bit more about what they're doing and, you know, what's involved and in getting that project done and i'll just try to listen and and learn as much as i can you know i never knew how much it took to you know get a robot project off the ground or you know something as simple as you know uh chain conveyors and you know getting them to to link everything together and get it all to work together you just don't think about how much goes into that until you actually see it happening in front of you
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and like kind of, for me, it's kind of more so on the, on the machining side of things. So like, and even, you know, robotic welding. So I came from like material handling and now our, our company has comp- pretty much completely shifted to robotic welding. So, you know, we're still doing material handling, but we're all our marketing, all our sales initiatives, all those things have shifted over to robotic welding applications and, uh, You know, me being the company owner, it's like, it's kind of, it's different because it's not where my expertise is, but it's where like 80% of our employees are like, that's where they came from. They came from BIW lines They came from, you know, MIG welding of automotive, um, spot welding. And, you know, with that transition, it's like exposing me to so many things. And I'm having to learn so many things like so, like so quickly, even being, you know, coming from like a controls engineering background, um, a lot of those, you know, the engineering processes are different, right? A lot of the things that you got to think about, fixturing and, and, you know, weld parameters and just different things like that. Right. And then you have like multiple sectors of the industry that's, you know, manufacturing that's already in robotic welding. So they just need, Hey, we just need another robotic welding cell. Okay, cool. And then you have the other customer that's, Hey, we're not robotically welding anything, but we'd like to try to robotically weld this. You know, so like just that alone is like two two sectors that are in two completely different directions and, and navigating the conversation is completely different. Like all those things are offering like new learnings and and uh, new experiences and exposures.
1: Yeah.
0: Where do you see yourself going over over the next few years?
1: Um, well, I mean, we uh, we definitely have um, goals in place, you know, sales goals, the size of company um, that we want to become. Um, our biggest thing right now is we're moving into uh, a new facility. So all of our nice. manufacturers uh, moving into a 60,000 square foot facility. Um, and we're adding powder coating, which is going to be a big thing for us, which, again, that goes back to, you know, that that learning curve of learning something every day is something we've never done before it's we've always sent it out and now we've got to learn you know how to bring it in-house yeah. um we we've grown really quickly we want to keep on doing it uh we did seven and a half million dollars last year um nice. we're hoping hoping to do hoping to do 10 this year uh, nice. you know that's a it's a big yeah. goal to set but hoping to uh reach that goal this year awesome. um but i think you know, getting into our new facility, getting powder coat up and going and seeing where that can take us is, is kind of the next step. Um, we just purchased a uh, company as well, about 45 minutes away from us that does production machining. Um, that's another thing that I'm I'm really looking forward to to growing that and also taking the customers that they have and being able to offer them, you know, lower quantity projects, whether it's you know, prototype work for or, form or you know, also getting into fab work with them as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing I'm
0: extremely excited about uh, business wise is, is acquisition of companies and, you know, we'll probably start doing it fairly early on. We're even internally discussing it now. Um, I think acquisitions are powerful. Like you said, like just being able to leverage, you know, acquiring that company and then offering your services to them. And then also like, it could be the other way around. They could, you can now take on projects that maybe were more of high, high running parts that you can't just dedicate a machine towards or, or do it profitably enough that this company's already got it down. They already got the business model down and everything. Yeah. So like a lot of those, a lot of those things are extremely exciting. And, and also it's like now it's almost like you get to go work for another company and, and see what their culture is, see what their, you know, procedures and processes are. And, and, uh, that exposure and experiences is super exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to learn something from them, you know, every single time, no matter, no matter what kind of of company you're getting, sometimes it's good things, sometimes it's bad, but you're always going to have things that you can take away from those companies and you can integrate into yours that, you know, something that you really like. So I I definitely think that exposure is great and it, it definitely is powerful. I mean, we, we were expecting to end the year, uh, last year with 45 or so employees, and we ended up in the year with, I think, around 63 or so. Nice. Um, and you can just imagine, I mean, that immediate capacity increase yeah. is one of the biggest things because everybody wants everything right now. I mean, that's yeah. just kind of the, the world that we live in is, you know, they want lead time shorter. You know, they want to get it faster, they want to get it cheaper, all of that stuff. And, and being able to increase your capacity essentially overnight is just, it's its hard to compare.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's extremely powerful. That's one thing, like, I'm, I'm very expansive. Our COO of our company says, let's slow down. <laughs> so, like, me, I'm like, let's hire, let's hire, let's hire, let's hire, you know, because I think about capabilities. Like, okay, we hire this type of person that has this skill set. Uh, now we can do this type of project, or now we can do more of these type of projects. Um, yeah, so I, I'm always excited to for the expansion, bringing on new people into the team. Um, the capacity is huge, makes a makes a big big difference.
1: Yeah, and I think I think we deal with that all the time. I mean, uh, every everybody here is like that, where it's you know, uh, let's hire this this position, let's hire this position, you know, let's get these, you know new machines in or you know this new capability that we can have and sometimes our uh owner has to kind of pull the, pull the reins back a little bit and say let's <laughs> let's not overdo yeah. it just yet you know
0: yeah, yeah yeah yeah. you always need like you always need that type of person in your company that's like the the counterbalance right like if it yeah you know, if it wasn't for people saying to me saying like hey don't spend that money i mean there's no telling what i would do <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean because yeah but, awesome
1: Shane, where can people find you at? What was that? Where where can people find you at? Uh, We are on Facebook. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, So you can go to our website, kelly-eng.com. Same thing on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, LinkedIn. Uh, Got a ton of equipment list on there, pictures, ton of information on the company. You can request a quote directly on our website, make it super easy. Awesome. You got, do you have
0: any last valuable points for the audience before you go today?
1: Um, I would say, I mean, just pushing for, for manufacturing in the younger generation. I mean, I think that's something that's, that's gotta be done. You know, I, I can't tell you how many shops that I've worked at where, you know, the average age is, you know, 55 years old and you just don't have young guys coming in and, I mean, we've we've got to have that availability where we've got you know uh, a stream of of people coming into the industry. And I think it's it's got to start at you know a high school level or or even younger than that, and making sure yeah. that we're talking about it. We're telling them how cool of the industry it is, and that in all honesty, you can you can make a great living from it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Shane, thank you for being on today. Absolutely, I appreciate it. it. Thank you.